Hey everybody, welcome to another Psalm session. I say those exact words at the beginning of every episode, and I think this is episode, uh, I think we're at like 32 or 33 or something along those lines. And every yeah. time I say, hey everybody, welcome, this is another Psalm session. I am Miles, and joining me over there on the phone is... Yeah, every time I say, hey, it's Brent over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brent over here. We need a new shtick. We need to, uh, what we need is we need to get back to doing this in person. I miss doing those, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll be uh, there soon. Yeah. How you doing, Brent? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, hanging in as always and, uh, hope that, uh, you're nice and cozy as well. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I was, <laughs> the thing that I'm angry about is it's rant time. The thing I'm angry about is Facebook. Because uh, Facebook is a great tool for staying in touch with friends and loved ones. But Facebook is also a terrible reminder of what we were doing in our past lives. And mine has popped up to say, hey, Miles, do you remember a year ago when you were on the beach with your wife in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, now you're not. And you're, yeah, not, you're not gonna. There. And I miss yeah. that. I miss, uh, I, miss, I miss traveling. It's funny. I wasn't really like a big traveling guy, but I, I miss traveling. And there's... Uh, you know, I've got my bucket list of these cities that I want to get to. And I, uh, I really desperately want to do like, like a musical tour, you know, like hit up all the major cities that have these iconic music venues and iconic musical past like Chicago. I would love to get to Chicago and see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You've, you've been there, haven't you? Uh, Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. I don't know why I said yeah. Chicago. Cleveland. That's okay. No, I, Chicago, I hear wonderful things about Chicago yeah. as well. I've never, I've I never was thinking been, of jazz yeah. and everything in Chicago jazz, but uh, I meant to say Cleveland. It's, you know, no, I'm, no, no, it's good. You know, for me, there's, there's two musical cities that immediately, oh, there's the list is so long. There's yeah. two that, that jump out right away. I mean, for sure. Uh, LA and you know uh, a couple of episodes ago we talked to Kathy Valentine from yeah. the Go-Go's and we were chatting about you know those iconic uh, Sunset Strip clubs like the Whiskey a Go-Go mm, and the yeah. Starwood and you know I would love to just go and see those places yeah um, but a city that I have been to actually several times is a uh, good old Cleveland Ohio yeah. uh, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah yeah um, what a cool city that is that place downtown is clean they have some killer restaurants yeah there's some amazing uh live music venues and the the, the rock and roll hall of fame is you know I, i've been i think i've been i don't know three or four times now what an incredible place yeah, that yeah. is you you it's like disneyland for music fans that's cool that's cool it is it's on my list we were actually uh, some friends of mine we were supposed to do a motorcycle jazz tour where, uh, and this is where my head was going to Chicago, we were going to go down through Chicago and we were going to do this like monster winding trip through the States, ultimately ending us uh, in New Orleans and, you know, all on our bikes. And it was going to be a super cool thing. And then the apocalypse happened and we didn't yeah. do that thing, but someday we will. And Highlander, if you're listening, we are going and it's happening. And that is that. Yeah. Yeah. Li listen up. Um, New Orleans, if you've never no, been, is, <laughs> I will tell you, um, uh, have you been? No, no. It's like, it's oh. probably the top of my, like, I want to get to list. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you, I, uh, I had the good fortune in a, a previous phase of my career, 
which was actually involved in the uh, commercial shipping cargo uh, industry. And there was a big shipping conference that was in uh, New Orleans every year. And so I have been to that amazing city eight or nine times. And I can tell you, like, what a scream. I mean, it's a blast, yeah. first off. I, and but there's, I, yeah, there I is, get there. there's nothing like walking down Bourbon Street and the music is just spilling out of all these clubs. Cool. And you can just wander in and wander out and spend the whole night going up and down the street just listening to incredible tunes. That is cool. The, the one place I have been that I was uh, grateful for uh, was like the late 90s, early 2000s. I did get to see uh, REM at Madison Square Gardens. And it was, I was in like the sixth row and... Uh, it was the day after George Bush won the election. And R.E.M., you know, they were a very politically charged band, uh, and they were uh, instrumental in that rock the vote. And they were trying to actually get Bush to not win, uh, but he won. And then this was the day after that. And so they, they came out on stage uh, at Madison Square Gardens, and the crowd goes nuts. And Michael Stipe stands in front of the microphone, and he doesn't say a thing. He just puts his hand up, and everyone gets real quiet. And then they just went, bam, right into it's the end of the world as we know it. And uh, at the end of the song, he just goes, thank you, that is all. And every light in the place went out. It just went pitch black. And everybody was like, woo, yeah. But then it stayed out for quite a while. And people were going, um. Is, is that really all? Are they, are we, this is it. And then they did come back out and, and uh, Stipe gave a bit of a, a statement speech and then they, they jumped into it and did a killer show. But it was cool to be in Madison Square Garden, sixth row for a band that in the 90s, 80s and 90s, like REM, they were huge. And to see them in that venue, it was it was really cool. I enjoyed that. Well, at Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, whether it's for um, a hockey game or a concert, you don't get much more an iconic venue than that place that's well that's for sure there might be one that i can think of and for those oh. country fans out there they uh i think the grand Ole opry is something that's going to come to mind in good old yes. nashville how yeah. could we not have spoken about nashville well you know i'm uh, i've never been historically like a huge country guy i will admit i've been warming up a lot lately to kind of that southern country rock stuff that it's kind of teeters that line between rock and country. And I'm really been getting behind a lot of that. And, uh, but yeah, Nashville, of course, home to the grand old Opry home to, uh, one other person. And I think you might know who I am referring to Hey, Brent. Take it away. This is a multi-gold and platinum recording artist, a Juno Award winner, an impressive 19 Canadian Country Music Award winner, inductee into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame, uh, of course, a Sound of Music Festival alumnus. Now, this list of accolades, it actually goes on and on, and I could spend half the show just covering that, but I won't. Ladies and gentlemen, originally from Medicine Hat, Alberta, please welcome to the show, Terry Clark. Terry, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? We're surviving. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the, that's the, the word of the year is surviving. surviving. Um, Terry, it's it's great to uh, to have you on with us today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Well, I'm 
so pleased to be here. Thank you. And it's strange times, but at least we can get together virtually and still we'll do interviews. And yeah. yeah. Well, and the last time we saw you was the 2019 Sound of Music Festival. Of course, you headlined our West Stage on the the Country Music Night uh, to what I believe was a record crowd, and that uh, I, I want to say was a pretty fun night. Oh yeah. I mean, believe me, I'm like. Uh, waxing poetic about all of the shows in 2019. Right? I bet, I bet. <laughs> like, uh... Well, look, now that we've got you, Terry, we want to we dig into a little bit of what makes Terry Clark, Terry Clark. And I want to go all the way back. Let's, as they say, let's start at the beginning. So you come from a long line of, of country performers. And so did you know at a young age that, you know, this is what you are destined to do and these are the footsteps you are destined to follow in? What was that, that young growing up experience like for you? Well, I started out, uh, you know, wanting to be in law enforcement when I was in elementary school. Oh, wow. I was fascinated with law enforcement. Yeah, and, and my grandparents on my mom's side played country music professionally in clubs around Montreal. And I grew up at the same time. I was thinking I wanted to be a policewoman or in the RCMP. My grandfather was, uh, my grandfather was playing the guitar all the time around the house. And he would, he would, you know, just sit in a chair for hours and hours. And I would sit and just be mesmerized by that and watching him and watching singers. And my mom taught me my first three chords when I was nine years old. So I picked it up too. And my grandparents stopped playing music professionally after I was born, and uh, but they always had it around the house, always. My grandmother was a good singer. They even recorded some things. And on my dad's side, he had a couple of uncles and cousins that also liked to play like old classic country. So I, I came by it quite honestly, and I, I, I think it chose me. I didn't choose it. It wasn't that long before the whole dream of being in the RCMP went away. And hmm. And it became, I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to be Reba McIntyre. <laughs> that whole thing took over. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it, it definitely has become, you know, my life's work and my passion. And I started chasing that when I was around 12 or 13, 14, that it really, I really got serious about music at that point. I think um, it, it was a wise career choice, to, to say the least. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the math that I did, if, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, uh, I think it's six number one singles between uh, the charts in Canada and the United States. Um, does that level of commercial success influence your writing style? You know, each successive hit that you have at the top of the charts, what impact does that have as you're as you're evolving your your writing and creating new music? Well, I, you know, interestingly enough, I, I, I wrote more in my early twenties and late teens than I ever have in any other period of my life. And when you get your first record deal and you make an out your first album, they say you have, you know, your whole life up till that point to write that first album. And then if you have some success, you go on the road and, and you're doing interviews and you're traveling to make appearances and award shows and and the list goes on and on, and there's not a lot of time for creating. So your second album comes out, and, and as as I kind of progressed in my career, by the time we got to um, my fifth album, 
I, I was I had been so busy that I started to record more outside material songs that I didn't write, you know, songs that people pitched me around Nashville and which I think was a good thing at that point because it brought it brought a little more diversity to the albums that I was making. Um but I've always tried to write I just am all about whatever is real, whatever feels real and whatever feels honest as a writer. I I cannot I cannot be um I can't be I can't be sort of premeditated and and chase something that's popular at the time. I've always just tried to do what I feel is honest and real and that I I believe when I'm singing it. It, it as a country singer, we have to believe what we're singing or it just doesn't it, the public is smarter than that. They're going to know <laughs> when you're selling out or you're trying too hard or you're chasing something somebody else is doing but you really there's a difference between growing and chasing, and I've always just tried to grow, and I've tried to, you know, have a well-rounded sounding record so that everything didn't sound the same from top to bottom. And to be quite honest, a lot of my my best music, I think, was left as album cuts, and the public never heard. They just heard the bouncy singles that they kept putting out on radio, and a lot of the deeper cuts and the more substantive um, material. Still, I think the majority of people who haven't bought entire albums just have never heard that's really interesting and and i want to ask you about that first single actually i want to ask you about before that first single so 1987 19 year old terry packs up from medicine hat alberta heads to nashville it was it was it eight years later uh you released better things to do which of course tracked in the top five in canada and the u.s what happened in those eight years what were those eight years between oh my goodness, I'm in Nashville and I now have a top five single in Canada and the United States. What were those eight years? Well, they were the hungry years and and boy, I wrote some good songs during that time. <laughs> <laughs> I, find, I find I wrote my best songs when I, when I was hungry and, and literally and figuratively and hungry for a career, hungry for food. Um, <laughs> but I moved to, I moved to Nashville in 1987, and I, I, I really came here on a wing and a prayer, and and in a Honda Civic with my mom and her best friend, nice. drove down, and I did not have a job. I didn't have a way that I could legally even work or get a job. Um, and Lower Broadway in Nashville was just—it it was a war zone back then, and it was very dangerous to even be down there. It had been let go and forgotten, and it was all just you know adult shows and peep shows and pawn shops and it was dirty and seedy and and just gone to hell at that point and you know it's come back to life now it's now it's mardi gras every night down there and college kids and all the bars and neon and bachelorette parties it's vegas at this point but it was not then it was it was a very different scene so i walked into tootsie's orchid lounge got up as a tourist and sang a few songs and the place filled up and the owners and the talent manager guys saw me and they offered me a job playing for tips and uh, gave me $15 a day plus tips <laughs> to do a solo show. Yeah. So I got a, I got a place to live about 10 miles from there and found the bus route and the bus and got a bus pass. And I took the bus down to Tootsie's to play for tips three days a week. Wow. And I lived on about a hundred dollars a week which U.S., which which is good, but, you know, I mean, 
So in, in Canada, that would be what, $300? Yeah. Um, anyway, it, so. It'd be about $1,000 or $10,000 <laughs> yeah. these days. Wow. Yeah. So it, but, but I would not trade any of that for the world. And, and, you know, somebody wandered into Tootsie's and heard me sing. And he had a studio in Florida. He flew me down and I did a demo tape there. And that wound up at, 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 on somebody's desk named Tom Long at ASCAP. Huh. I started writing songs. I, I wound up with a manager who put me with a publisher who helped me get with songwriters to, to become a better songwriter. I was, I, I met somebody who I fell madly in love with and got married. And we uh, were able then to, to apply for me to be naturalized. So I was able to get a job and work and have a social security number and all of that. So that happened. So a lot of day jobs and songwriting and, and a, a few times I would do some writer's nights around town, but the manager I was working with didn't want me to become too much a part of the landscape and the showcase arena. He said, I don't want you people to get too used to seeing you. Oh, wow. And I think that was probably smart at the time, you know, and so one thing just led to another and, you know, I, I, I had a lot of doors slammed in my face, <laughs> turned down by every label some of them twice. Um, and then finally something came through in 1994 and I got my deal with Mercury. Very nice. And, and was it always country? Like, did you, did you sort of fall into country because of those family roots or, you know, was there a, was there a time where we could have had Terry Clark, the death metal singer, or has it always been, <laughs> I, I would buy that album by the way, but has it, uh, has it always been country? Pretty much. Um, my mom was a big folk fan. Like her favorite singers were Joan Baez and Buffy St. Marie oh, and Bob yeah, Dylan yeah, and yeah. Um, and the Beatles, like big Paul McCartney fans. So I grew up listening to some really great songwriting uh, just through my mom. So there's a bit of me that that ha that loves that that root folk element. Um, and but but I I can't I couldn't see myself being anything other than a country singer, which I I feel like is a part of that fabric yeah. too. Uh, when you listen to, you know, when you listen to Joan Baez and Buffy St. Marie songs and Bob Dylan, what they're singing about is real life and real things and you know socially difficult issues of the time. And you know, in country music. You listen to Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash, and they did the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's it all kind of goes hand in hand. I love and it. like I said, it's just about being yourself and being honest, no matter what it is you're doing. But I can't, I can't imagine me doing R and B or or you yeah. know heavy metal or. <laughs> yeah. I, if anything, I would go the rock route. Like I, I if any, if I were going to go at any route, it wouldn't be pop. It would be more towards rock than pop. Cool. And there is a very good, you know, that, that deep Southern, uh, hard rock kind of stuff that crosses that, mm -hmm. that country rock line. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of that coming up, but that's, as a whole other digression. I'll throw it over to you, Brent. Go ahead. Yeah. Some interesting names that you, you've mentioned, Terry, just in the course of the conversation so far, um, your multiple Juno wins, uh, without a doubt, puts you in a class of legendary Canadian musicians. I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite Canadian? It could be a, a, mu a musician or otherwise, that is someone that's always inspired you, someone that's always made you proud to be from Canada. Oh, gosh. The <laughs> list goes on and on. I have a whole Spotify playlist with a flag beside it, and I just... I, Joni Mitchell, I mean, mm. come on. 
you just it just doesn't get any better than Joni Mitchell. I'm a huge Kathleen Edwards fan. I'm a huge Gordon Lightfoot fan. Um, I, I, I great big C. Uh, and Murray, I, I mean, even Alanis Morissette, like the, we've had some amazing artists come out of our country and Neil Young. But when you go back to Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Gordon Lightfoot, they really, I mean, they're just legendary globally. And to me, set a whole new standard for songwriting and honesty in music and talking about, I mean, I, I just think Joni Mitchell may be the greatest songwriter of the last hundred mm. years. You know, and so, yeah, there's, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them that I look up to so much. And to even be, you know, listed anywhere in the Canadian ranks with any of their names is just like surreal. If I ever see a list like that and I get to be a part of it, it's pretty awesome. You'll have to share us your uh, Canadian flag playlist. I'd love to give that a listen. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's full of all kinds of good stuff, but I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a big Kathleen Edwards fan, and I, and I know she's maybe a little more obscure to, to some people, but when I dig into, you know, some of some of her records, I love Sarah McLaughlin, Sarah Harmer, like all the Sarahs, all of them. Um, you know, there's just a lot of great music. I can't name just one person, but it's we've we've got a great country, and a lot of talented people have come out of it. I completely agree with that. And Terry, something that I I truly admire about your career is uh, you strike me as the kind of person that nothing is too big or too small for you to take on. And when you look at your diverse career, writing, recording, producing, uh, performing, you started your own label in 2009. What drives you to always be pushing for the next step forward in your career? You know, you put that very well. The next step forward has always been in my crosshairs, always, like for 25 years. As I'm in the midst of something, I'm look. I'm always looking at what's next. And and this this year may be the first time ever in so 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 long since I was maybe 13 years old that I haven't known what was going to be next. I'm kind of letting myself be in the present without trying to micromanage and plan my next move because I really don't know. And it's not just about not being able to tour. I really don't know what I'm going to do recording wise. Mm. If I'm going to write songs, I don't have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> and it's kind of fun, like leaving it like that, because like I said, I'm a planner and, but I've, I've always, yeah, I have always thought like a step ahead. So my brain's kind of taking a vacation from that right now when that part is nice, but but it's so unnatural. Like <laughs> I feel like a fish out of water in a sense, because I've always tried to think of what to do next. And, um, you know, but, but I appreciate you acknowledging that and recognizing that, that I've tried to keep things going and find different angles to keep things interesting. Well, and yeah. I'm going to keep doing my radio show, yes, you know, and, but I have and... a radio show that that's been really successful. It's now starting to break into Canada and get some affiliates up there. Yeah. I was looking um, at this. So... Now your show, you're, you've, you've won uh, like tons of awards for this show. It's on 145 stations. Uh, what, what wanted you to get on the other side of the microphone to interview people and, and, you know, kind of talk about the industry and, and not just be performing in it. What got this show off the ground? Well, I think it's the same thing that a lot of people feel like they want to branch out. It's just like my friend, Jan Arden, you know, has a TV show and has always you know, people like Jan and Reba who always kind of just 
they expand their brand and if they have the talent and the and and the ambition to want to try different things to keep themselves challenged and keep things fresh and keep their audience engaged um i i just think it's just you know i if i were a tree and and my trunk was about music and country being a country artist writing songs and making records is one thing but you got a lot of branches too so why not go out on a limb once in a while and try something different nice and again, it, it just it keeps you it keeps you engaged and motivated. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, how can that not just get a little bit mundane after a while? So true. So you know, I think it's important to keep your you keep keep the 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 plugs firing and sparking. And I think it's necessary to you know branch out and try some different things to do that. And and some things will work and some things won't, but you know what? You must be present to win. Yeah. You're definitely it's definitely not going to work if you if you sit at home and don't try it. That's uh that's a great point. I keep saying uh to my wife, how come we haven't won the 649 lottery? And I guess it's because <laughs> we haven't bought a ticket, right? So it's it's kind of exactly what you're saying. You you've got to you've got to fully be be in the game. Um being inducted or welcomed into the Grand Old Opry, I can, one can only imagine that had to be a tremendously heady honor for you. How do you balance these kinds of accolades in your career with kind of staying grounded and staying true to the person that you are and, and you want to be? Well, I, you know, I, I think, I think really appreciating the moment and being grateful for moments like that when they happen are wonderful. But when when you go home, you're still just this, the same as everybody else. And I put, you know, I put my pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else. And I think <laughs> the ability to not, to not, I guess, drink your own Kool-Aid for too long, enjoy it, be grateful for it, but put the Kool-Aid back in the fridge when you get home, <laughs> you know, you don't want to, I, I just think there's there's a there is some people who are like oh no you know overly modest and it it almost looks like they're being even more self centered by constantly you know saying oh no you know but to me that makes it more about you when you when you can't just accept a compliment and, and move on but I think it's important to acknowledge it and appreciate it be grateful for it realize that you're one of the chosen few and very very lucky a lot of people never get there. Nice. And then, you know, go home and make dinner and feed your dog and pick up their poop and do everything that you're doing. And I, I don't walk I don't walk around with this cape of everything I've done in my life draped around my shoulders. So I, I think it's a balance. That's uh that's an amazing attitude to have. And uh I love hearing you say that because I, I wanna say on a on a personal note, when you were at the, the twenty nineteen festival, uh, uh you and your team might have been some of the most genuine, kind, and polite people to work with. Uh, the crew that you had oh, with you, you, you know, they were like, they were some of the most polite people that I have met. And it was amazing. And it was so refreshing, you know, to have everybody. Um, I, I think that your whole team kind of captured what you just said in that they know where they are, they know why they're there, and they know what it took to make all of that happen. And I just found... <laughs> You know, the people that you surround yourself with, they were just a, a very polite, honest, down-to-earth, respectful, uh, and fun team. And I, I applaud you for keeping those kinds of people around you because it's, you know, we are the company we keep. And uh, it's nice to see that 
your values are imparted uh, uh, on those that you keep with you as well. So, yeah, good, good, good well, stuff. Well, thanks. And, you know, I do, think, I do think it comes from the top down, but you have to know who's representing you when they step off the bus, too. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really proud of them. And my tour manager, Brian, is, is from Simcoe, Ontario. Yes. So he's a Canadian boy, and he is, you know, the nicest guy and just raised by a good farming family. Yeah. And I think it comes, it, it comes down to how you were raised. And I think if you were not raised right, you're going to kind of be an ass to people, whether yeah. you're a construction worker or whether you're on a crew for musicians or an artist. So, yep. um, but boy, you know, it, it, it helps when you don't see the person you're working for running around, cutting people's heads off yeah. and acting like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's, it's funny you mentioned Simcoe. I, uh, we are recording right now. I am in Waterford. I could throw a rock and hit Simcoe if I threw it hard <laughs> enough. It's, it's Actually, right over he is there. From Waterford. I always say Simcoe because oh, nice. I call him that. It's his nickname. Brian is from Waterford originally, oh, wow. but that's that's where his family lives. That's you probably amazing. know his family. They're probably <laughs> my neighbors. We're out in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. they're they're probably my neighbors. It's that's funny. Small world. Brian Persall. They oh, have a chicken farm. Yeah. I, uh, they might yeah. actually live down the road. It's uh, Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Small world, everybody. <laughs> it, is, it is a small world, I know. Uh, well, look, Terry, in this diverse career that you've made, you've been, on, uh, you've been on both sides of the recording glass, you've been on the radio, on TV, on, you've been everywhere. What part of this career, like what is the part that you, you say, this is my home, this is where my heart lives? Is it being on the stage? Is it in the studio? Is it behind the mic? What's the part that you truly get fired up about? Being on the stage and connecting with people mm. off the stage through through my career. I really feel it's so much bigger than hits and, and songs and music and recording. It's about bringing people together. And boy, this world could use that right now. And I'm so, so excited about live music coming back because I think it's yes. going to help heal, heal so many things going on, especially in the U.S. right now. Um, you know, it, it, it is, it brings people together. It, it, I mean, I've seen some of my fans that didn't feel like they had anyone or had friends become a part of a group. I was just the catalyst of that, that they've met, they've, they've, you know, formed relationships, romantic and friendship wise with each other. They meet up at shows and they hang out and they just have a big time together and it's kind of their vacation. It's, it's like a family reunion of sorts a couple of times a year. And that just knowing that my music brought these people together is the best feeling in the world. And that to me is that, that tops it off. When I'm on my deathbed, that's the thing I'm the proudest about my career. I'm not, I'm proud of being an Opry member and I'm really proud of, you know, being a hall of fame member. Those are the two, you know, accolades I'd say are the most prestigious, but as far as a human being that was given a gift to be able to sing, and seeing those out there bonding with each other and with, through music, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Nice. That is the perfect segue to, to what I wanted to, to ask you next. You know, you, you've done some duets with quite a lineup of, of people, Reba McIntyre, Tanya Tucker, uh, on and on. When the world returns to whatever normal is and we actually have touring acts and we have concerts and we have the live stage again who who would you love to share the stage with oh gosh <laughs> oh there, there that, that's a loaded question there's so many i i just 
Honest to God, I want to share the stage with my band first. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. Well, the last the last uh, show I did live with a band was December 6, 2019. So wow. it's been a year and a month since I played a live band show. And we all miss each other. And so they would be number one. But as far as like festivals and things go, there there's some amazing artists on the bill for for these things. And um, I tour with Pam Tillis and Susie Boggess, and we have a great time. It's kind of an all-acoustic. It's just us three and our guitars on stage with some percussion, and we sing harmony on each other's songs, and we have the best time off stage and on stage. So I really miss those girls, too. So I'm just uh, I'm just really looking forward to things just kind of getting back to that again and um, and hopefully doing some shows with with a few uh, a few other artists maybe that I haven't worked with yet. We've always got something in the works. We're already talking about some <laughs> touring ideas. And so I think uh, in Canada, there are definitely some things in the works for 2021 and 2022. I love that. Plus, you have to work Amazing. on your uh, your heavy metal album. That one I'm, I'm pretty excited <laughs> well, absolutely. about. absolutely. Are you kidding Yeah, I'm pretty excited about Now you got me thinking. One. Uh, could you imagine like a heavy metal album with like some banjo and folk guitar? I would listen to that all day long, all day long. Oh, well, folks. I've actually heard, I've heard some stuff people have done like that. Um, oh, no, no way. taken some bluegrass and yeah, made it like, or, or they've done heavy metal. Um, there was an album somebody made uh of acdc songs with bluegrass instrumentation oh wow like years ago <laughs> yeah it's really interesting but it's be. interesting how how they could they actually it sounded great it's it's just melodies and words yeah. and you just change the instrumentation and, and approach and it's pretty cool that is very cool well folks we have been talking today to canada's own terry clark uh terry we said we were going to take 30 minutes of your time and we are rolling up on that um, thank you. And, and more than thank you is just congratulations. Everything that you have built over the years, uh, you know, it, it makes us all proud to call you Canadian. It makes us proud to watch your career unfold. Uh, we all know that uh, you still have a lot in you. As we talked about, you're always looking forward, always looking for the next step. And I think I can speak for all of the Sound of Music fans when I say we are excited to see what that will be. So thank you for well, joining I, us today. I, I, Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. Stay safe and let's get things back on track yes. near the end of the year or fall for sure. I, yes. I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, I'll do some more fishing and bide my time doing that. That sounds great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Terry. You uh, stay safe, take care of yourself, and uh, all the best. You too, guys. All right. Bye-bye, take Terry. Care. Bye-bye. Well, there was our interview with Canada's own Terry Clark. I love that, uh, you know, she spent a lot of her early years in Medicine Hat, Alberta. I spent a lot of time in Medicine Hat, Alberta when I used to work out in Alberta. Uh, that was part of the territory I oversaw in the, the nonprofit I worked for. Such a great little, you know, homey, humble community out there. And I love that, that you know, that small town feel, it's still Terry Clark. You know, like that's how she felt to me. That was heartwarming and comforting. And, you know, that interview to me was like a big bowl of mac and cheese. Like I've got, I've got <laughs> five words for you, five words. And that is proud to be a Canadian yeah. right there. Yeah. And proud to have her as a Canadian, right? Like 
her career is truly astonishing. And I, I love to see these artists that, you know, they go, okay, I've done this part. Now, now what else can I do? Where, where can I go? And, and the amazing thing about Terry Clark is if you look at everything else that she does, aside from being a, a singer and songwriter, she has won an award for it. Whatever else she has touched, she has won an award for because she's so driven and determined and, you know, it's, it's just incredible. It, uh, yeah, that was, she just, like I say, she, she is my bowl of mac and cheese. <laughs> what well, was fun for me in that conversation, you know, we, we went into this episode saying we, we, we really want to talk about Terry, the person and get to know Terry, mm-hmm. the person. And what impressed me the most is, you know, and she, she said it in, in her own words, you know, she's, she doesn't walk around with this cape of, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'm in the Grand Old Opry. I've won Junos. She's like, at the end of the day, I'm I'm just a person, and uh, I, I think that really uh, that really came through for all of those honors and all of those achievements. Mm-hmm. She's just really proud to uh, be able to step up to a mic and sing some songs. Yeah, that's cool. You know what I'm proud of, Brent? I'm proud of the Sound of Music sessions, <laughs> and I'm proud to say uh that you know every every time we put one of these things out we get more and more listeners and followers and uh we sure do appreciate it so please you know make sure that you share this with your friends tell them about it uh just get the word out there that we're doing what we're doing we've got some great guests lined up and uh you will be hearing from us again real soon but this is all the time that we have uh it is me miles and coming at you over there in the digital studio from the telephone After these messages, we'll be right back. It's Brent here. (laughs) I liked that a lot. All right, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. We will talk to you soon. Ciao. 